This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's scripture passage is found in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Amen. Amen. In a way of review, uh, the first part of chapter 5, Paul outlines for us what freedom is. Freedom is to be free from the power of sin and is to be free from the condemnation of sin. And if you're not quite sure what that looks like, the following verses in chapter 5 at the latter half, as Pastor Joe preached last Sunday, outlines for us what freedom is tastes like. And he taught us that freedom tastes like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. This is what freedom tastes like. And today we're going to pick it back up and go into chapter 6. And what Paul does today is give us a picture of what freedom looks like. And we're going to see that freedom looks like Bearing one another's burdens. Freedom will look like many different things. When we're living in the freedom of Christ, when we're living from uh, the freedom of condemnation from sin, it'll look like many different things. But Paul specifically chooses to talk about bearing one another's burdens when giving us a picture of what freedom is. So it's very important that we understand what Paul's trying to emphasize and teach us today in God's word. And now you might be thinking, whoa, how is carrying someone's other, someone other's someone else's burdens, freedom, right? We have enough burdens of our own. We have so many things that we are dealing with. How does taking on someone else's burden, how does that look like freedom? And today, hopefully, as we look at Galatians, these first five verses, we'll see how that is a picture of freedom. And we're going to move through it by looking at how how burdens work, the challenges to bearing burdens, and the freedom to bear burdens. So let's start off by looking at how to bear burdens. You look down with me again to verses 1 and 2, and I'll read that for us. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So the first way we bear someone's burdens is a very specific way Paul outlines for us, and it's to restore those caught in sin. We mentioned last week that, free, that we are free from condemnation and the penalty of sin, but as we live in this world, as we journey in our faith, we still fight with our flesh. We still have that sin nature in us, and as a Christian, Our walk entails battling the sin in our lives. And the good news is that we do not have to do it alone. That we have brothers and sisters and we have the church 
that we can work with to fight the sin in our lives. And I know that every one of us has that particular sin that we struggle with. That sin that no matter how much we try, how much we desire to stop, we just can't. No much how, no much how much we desire for it to be gone from our lives, it still kind of lingers around. It causes pain, frustration, and hurt. But please take comfort that you do not have to bear that burden alone, but that we here as a church can bear that burden with you. But Paul is very specific on how we should bear each other's burdens in the way of restoring someone from their sin. And so let's take a look at that uh, and what he tells us. So first, who should be restored? He says, those who are caught in transgression. One thing we need to make clear is we're not talking about unbelievers, but we're talking about believers. He starts off this passage saying brothers. He's referring to those who profess and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the ones we are to restore from sin. And another thing we need to point out is we are not to go around and start nitpicking everybody's sin that we see. Imagine how tiring and how difficult church would be where every time you see a sin, you would point it out to somebody. 1 Peter 4.8 teaches us love covers a multitude of sin. 1 Corinthians 13.7 and 5 teaches us that we are not to be quick to criticize others and tell people their faults. So what is Paul trying to get at? What situation of sin is Paul teaching us about? This word caught means to be overtaken by sin, meaning there is a pattern, there's a habit, there's a sense of inability to overcome a struggle with a particular sin in someone's life. When you see brothers and sisters in the church who are in that struggle with sin, we should not be quick to criticize, nor should we shy away from bringing it to light and confronting them, but we want to help restore them. And so the next question we need to ask, who is to restore them? Paul says, those who are spiritual. Ah, so leave it to the pastor, right? Leave it to the advisory group, the elders. Leave it to your community group elders, someone who is more mature and wiser in the faith. Faith, that's what Paul is talking about. No, he's talking about every ordinary believer. He's not talking about some super elite spiritual group of believers, but everyone who believes in Christ and seeks to live by the Spirit, you are called to restore those who are caught in sin. And how do we restore them? How do we restore them? It's with a spirit of gentleness. Martin Luther phrases this best. He says, if any man be overtaken with a fault, Do not aggregate his grief. Do not scold him. Do not condemn him, but lift him up and gently restore him. If you see a brother despondent over a sin he has committed, run up to him. Reach out your hand to him. Comfort him with the gospel and embrace him like a mother. When you meet a willful sinner who does not care, go after him and rebuke him sharply. But this is not the treatment for the one who has been overtaken by sin and is sorry. He must be dealt with in a spirit of meekness and not in a spirit of severity. A repentant sinner is not to be given gall and vinegar to drink. So you approach someone who is struggling with sin and you approach them with gentleness. Now, if they don't hear you out and they're not repentant, well, that's another issue. It's another scripture. It's a whole different sermon. But if you approach someone 
with gentleness. They hear you out. You see a desire to change and turn. You see a repentant heart. Continue to walk with them in gentleness and help restore them from that sin. And finally, Paul gives us a warning as we do this. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. What Paul's saying is, be humble. Be humble as you confront someone. Now, when you confront someone in sin, there's a proud way to do it, and there's a humble way to do it. You might not be saying these words exactly, but if you approach someone in a proud manner with this air of, you know, whoa, how, how could you fall into that sin? Um, you can say yourself a Christian, and you're struggling with that. You might not say those exact words, but if you come with that proud attitude, that person will be able to sense it. But rather, if you approach them in an attitude of humility, a one of, you know what? Yeah, that's your sin, and that's the burden that you're carrying. I have my burdens, and I have the sins that I struggle with as well. And I'm not above falling into the temptations and the struggles that you're falling in, if not worse. So we go and approach each other with gentleness and humility when we're confronting the sin in someone's life. Rosario Butterfield speaks of Jesus transforming us uh, and freeing us from our sin like this. She says, Jesus dines with sinners so that he can get close enough to touch us, so that he can participate in the intimacy of table fellowship as a healer and a helper. Jesus comes to change us, to transform us, so that after we have dined with Jesus, we want Jesus more than the sin that beckons our fidelity. You see, Jesus approaches us in our sin with truth and with grace. He comes and shows us that we are living in sin and that we are in need of the sinner, and we are in need of a savior. That's the truth. But he also approaches us in grace, where we can come to him with our sins and he will gently receive us. And when we taste this, when we experience this, we taste how sweet Jesus is and how good he is, his love for us, and that becomes greater than our sin. And we see the sin in our life slowly start to fade away. And the privilege, the joy, and honor of the Christian is to be able to assist in that process. When you see someone in sin, caught in a struggle with sin, you can help direct them to Jesus, help them to the fellowship with Jesus. You bring them back to that table so that Christ would restore them. We're going to look at the second way now to bear one another's burdens. And number one was a very specific way, right, of a specific way to um, bear someone's burdens. And number two will be a broader sense of the definition of how to bear one another's burdens. And basically, that's to help with the difficulties and challenges of life. If someone has lost their job and they're facing financial insecurity, you can carry their burden by helping them financially. If someone is mourning the loss of a loved one, you can help carry that burden by gathering around them, supporting them, showing them that you care, crying with them. If someone gets sick and is hospitalized, you can bear their burden by helping taking care of the duties at home that they can't do or at work if that's possible or helping them with their hospital visits and medical bills. There's many different ways that we can help carry each other's burdens. But the thing about burdens is it requires sacrificing our time and resources and efforts to help someone. 
When we do this, we fulfill the law of Christ, as Paul says, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you guys have been to the gym, um, there's an exercise called the bench press. And, uh, you know, you're laying down and you have this bar with just heavy weights and, and you're just trying to lift it up and get stronger. And what people generally do is they have someone called a spotter. Because what eventually happens is as you're lifting this weight, it gets so heavy, and sometimes you're not able to push it up. You're not able to carry it. So what that spotter does is he's there to help. Now, this spotter, he's not across the gym doing his own exercise, looking at you going, oh, yeah, 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 just try a little harder. Yeah, yeah, you're almost there. Watch out. Don't let that weight fall on your head. No. What is the spotter doing? He's right there. He's up close. And he's ready for at a moment's notice to help carry that burden. He's sacrificing his time, his resources, his efforts. He's making, self, making himself available to help carry that burden. And so it should be with us, with the church, with one another, to be able to be close, to sacrifice our time, our resources, to help carry those heavy burdens in life. You know, Paul, as he's saying this, but as he says that we do this to fulfill the law of Christ, he's almost like looking at the Judaizers, imagining him in their head as he's writing this, right? Because what were the Judaizers doing? They were coming into the church, the Galatian church, and spreading a false gospel. They were saying, you need Christ plus you need the law. You need Christ plus you need to be circumcised. You need Christ plus you need to fight dietary laws. You need to work on yourself and follow the law and be better in order for God to accept you. But Paul, what he's saying here is, no, you look away from yourself and you love your neighbor, and as you do this, you are fulfilling the law of Christ. Uh, as I was preparing today's message, there was a story of a family I heard about at a church in New York City. And this took place around the time of the financial crisis of 2007 and 2008. And many people during that time were greatly affected by that crisis, but especially these families living in New York who are working in the financial sector, they faced great loss and great devastation. There are many of them who overnight lost their savings, lost their fortunes, and a snap of a finger, they had lost their jobs. And that's exactly what happened to this one man. In a moment, he lost everything. And so he goes to church, uh, to his community group meeting uh, during the middle of the week, and he shares with his brothers the, the, the burden that he has to carry now. He's not sure how he's going to pay the mortgage. He's not sure how he's going to provide for his family. He's facing this great financial difficulty and this job insecurity. Well, it turns out, in his community group meeting, uh, was a leader of the church, and he heard this story. And this leader, without telling the man who had lost his job what he was going to do, he went to the elders and he went to the pastors and told them that there's a family in need, that the family had lost their job, they're fa fi you know, facing financial insecurity, so let's collect a special offering to help this fa family, to help carry their burden. And you know what happened when Sunday came around? They announced, hey, there's a family out there. They're hurting. They're in need. Church, let's come together. Let's, let's get some finances together, some funds together, and help this family out. And what happened was, this man who lost his job, he didn't know that this fund was for him. 
he ended up being the man who wrote the biggest check for that fund. Now, how does that happen? A man who should be a wreck, right? He doesn't know how he's going to put food on the table, put a, a, keep the roof over the head of his family. But what he did is he heard that there was a family in need, and he thought, ah, they probably are in greater need than I. So with the funds I do have, with the funds that I can give, let me contribute that. And that's what it looks like to bear one another's burdens and to help one another. So we're going to look at two, th- we learn two things from this story. We learn that we need to be willing to look away from ourselves and help a neighbor to carry the burden. And we also realize that we need to be able to verbalize and speak about the burdens that we have with the people around us. Ultimately, he was a beneficiary of that fund, but that wasn't known to him. He told the church his burden, and the church stepped up and helped him carry it. Now, all of us are, all of us are carrying burdens here. You know, whether it's sin we're caught up in, whether it's finances, relationships, jobs, career, health, there is every single one of us is carrying something with us today. I want to ask you, church, are we trying to help bear one another's burdens? Better yet, let me ask you, are you even aware of the burdens other people are carrying here? If you're new, obviously there's an excuse, but if you've been coming out here a little while, do you know what the brother and sister next to you, do you know what they're carrying? Do they know what you're carrying? I want to challenge you, church. This, this thing about carrying burdens is that we need to get close. So I want to encourage you to develop and build relationships. Know what's going on in the hearts, the minds, the lives of the people around us in the church. The thing is, you can't bear burdens if you don't know what people are bearing. If you don't know what people are bearing, you can't bear their burden. So get to know people. Start to walk with them. Connect with them. Develop trust. Be gentle and humble with one another. And from there, support each other and carry each other's burdens. Now, you don't have to do this with everyone in the church, right? That's not possible. But there are brothers and sisters around you that God has placed. Do this with them. A great place to do this is in your community groups. You know, over the years, there has been testimonies and stories of how people have grown and changed and been discipled in community groups. And yes, there's many reasons why that happens. It's the the studying of the word together, praying with one another. And a big reason that's also another reason that contributes to that is that you carry one another's burdens in community groups. And conversely, just as you need to help carry other burdens, you need to be able to tell other people about what you're bearing as well. It goes both ways. You can't bear burdens if you don't know what people are bearing, and you can't help, and people can't help bear yours if you don't share with them. Now, living in Korea, um, it's a very unique experience as an expat, right? You're away from your lifelong friends. You're away from your family. And you're living in this super busy metropolitan city where you just feel anonymous. And there's just so many different stresses, so many things to take care of. And it's so easy in this environment to kind of close in and draw into your own little world. But I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and come out of that and share with the church, share with your brothers and sisters what it is that you're carrying. Let them help you carry your burdens. And I know there's other of us, others of us who will say, oh, 
You know, I'll just cast all my burdens onto Jesus, right? Jesus will care for me. He will take care of everything. He loves me, and he, he knows all my burdens. As if to say, you know, it's just me and God. I, the church is a little messy, and, you know, I don't want to get involved with relationships. Well, I would say yes, 100%. Jesus does know your burdens. He cares for them, and he will provide for them. But the thing is, the way he carries your burdens and helps you in your burdens sometimes is through the church. You need to be able to share with one another what it is. And Jesus will care for your burdens through the people around you. You could be missing out on the help and support that Jesus has for you by keeping all your burdens to yourself. Share with one another, church, your burdens. Carry one another's church. I want to encourage you to do this. And as you do this, you will see God working in your lives in amazing ways. And next, we're going to look at the challenges to bearing burdens. What is the challenge to bearing burdens? I just listed a bunch of different practical ways that that are challenging, right? You know, big city, lots of stress, you know, lack of relationships, lack of intimacy. So, you know, we don't really share our burdens. And these are all real practical challenges that we need to face and overcome. But Paul outlines for us that sometimes there's a deeper heart issue that prevents us from carrying one another's burdens. And basically, what Paul is getting at in verses 3, 4, and 5 is it's pride. Pride is the greatest challenge, is the greatest obstacle to bearing one another's burdens. Let's see what Paul says about the matter. Uh, let's look down in your verses and we're, uh, in your Bibles and let's read verse 3 together. <clears throat> For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So verse, starts, verse 3 starts with, for if anyone, and this is linking to verse 2, and what he's saying is, for if anyone thinks the following, they're going to have trouble bearing burdens. He's saying, if you think, if someone thinks he is something, that's pride, right? Thinking you are something, that's pride. He deceives himself because in actuality, he is nothing. If you think you're above stepping down and help someone in need, that's pride. If you think you're too self-important to serve someone, you're deceiving yourself because, as Paul says it, you are nothing. You are nothing. Don't get mad at me. It's Paul that says it. But don't misunderstand what Paul is trying to say. We are all created in the image of God, and we are precious in his eyes, so much so that he sent his son to die for us. So what is Paul saying? That we are nothing. He's, in, he's teaching us about having a Christ-centered humility. It's taking a look at yourself and who you are and all the things that you do and realizing it's by his grace that you are what you are and, the, and able to do what you do. Don't think yourself more highly but realize it's through his grace, it's through Christ in you that you're able to do anything. Even Christ himself says in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. To know who we are and the things we are able to do is all by his grace. This is what it means to have that Christ-centered humility. And then as we go in verses 4 and 5, let's read it together one more time. It can be a little tricky, but uh, let's read it. 
But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So what is Paul saying? Basically, he's saying this. Don't compare yourself to others. Comparing yourself to others will feed your pride. Only look to yourself and what you do alone. Look at your life. Look at the talents God has given you. Look at the situation God has placed you in. Look at the people in your life that are around you. And measure yourself up to God's standards. When you do that, you can't help but cultivate an attitude of humility. But if you start comparing yourself to others, right, to that person who has a lack of self-control, to that person who gets angry too easy, to the person who is not very responsible in their work or their job, it starts to feed your pride. And pride is the enemy of loving your neighbor. It will hinder you from carrying each other's burdens. So Paul says, focus on your life, because ultimately in verse 5 it says, so it'll say, for each will have to bear his own load, meaning only you are, you are accountable only for your life to God. You're not accountable for someone else's life. So only pay attention to your life and what you are doing. And now verses 2 and 5 may seem like they contradict each other, right? Verse 2 says, bear each other's burdens. And then Paul says in verse 5, well, you have to bear your own load. So what is he talking about? Burden in the Greek in verse 2 represents something that's heavy, something very massive and difficult to carry and lift. But here, load in verse 5 represents something like a backpack, an individual load, something that one person can carry, saying that, you know, your life, only you are responsible for it. You're not responsible for anyone else's. You can compare yourself to someone who has more finances, who speaks better than you, who is more spiritual than you, who might seem to have it all together, and you'll grow a disdain and a jealousy, feeding your pride. Or you can compare yourself who, you know, to people that you're doing better than, and it'll just continue to feed that conceited pride. Either way, you don't want to be comparing yourself to others, but just testing your own work with, to what God has called you to do. C.S. Lewis says that pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. It is the comparison that makes you proud, the pleasure of being above the rest. Once the element of competition is gone, pride is gone. Many times, whether we realize it or not, it's our pride that gets away in serving and loving one another. It's our pride that gets in the way of carrying each other's burdens. Just take a look in yourself. Ask God to really examine your works in your heart and see what it is that needs to be corrected in order for us to love one another and carry each other's burdens. And finally, we're going to look at the freedom to bear burdens. Going back to the original question we started with, how does freedom look like bearing one another's burdens? And it can only be answered with the gospel and what Christ has done for us. You know, our greatest burden that we have is not our finances, it's not our health, it's not our relationships. Our greatest burden is our sin. Our sin has left us so alienated and far from 
God, and there was nothing that we could do on our own to carry that burden and draw near to him. So God drew near to us. Christ came to bear our heaviest burden. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Christ is the ultimate burden bearer. The one who created everything and sustains everything, the one with all glory and honor, he comes down and humbles himself to draw near to us because we knew that we couldn't carry that burden and come to him. And he went to that cross to pay the penalty, the full penalty, to take on the wrath of God so that we no longer face condemnation or judgment. Christ bore our burdens. And when we began to taste and see and realize that with our hearts and minds that we no longer are under the condemnation of sin, that we can now go to God with confidence because we are fully accepted and loved and known by him, that changes everything in our lives. We don't fear sacrificing our time, our hearts, our finances, our efforts in helping someone because we know that Christ has already met our greatest need and we know and have confidence that he will meet even our smallest needs. We don't compare ourselves to one another because we already know that we are fully accepted by him. The pride in us is crushed because we realize who we are and the good works that we are able to do is a complete gift of grace from Christ, totally undeserved but freely given to us because he loves us. His grace frees us to look away from ourselves and look to others and love them and bear their burdens. Imagine the humility of Christ. Him coming down to serve us and bear our burdens, die for us. That humility in the church where each one of us would look to our brothers and sisters and look at them more highly than us and serve them and help them carry their burdens. Imagine the people that would be lifted up out of grief and despair. Imagine the hope that would be given to the people fighting loneliness, depression, anxiety. It would help free those battling with sin. You know, just as Christ lifted our burdens, Christ now uses us to lift and help each other's burdens as well. As we journey through this burden world, it's together we find strength and encouragement until we reach heaven's gates. Let's pray. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening, and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.